Please take your copy of God's Word or your smartphone today and turn with me to Matthew 28. We're going to be looking at these last few verses of this passage that, in this book that we have been chasing after for quite a few months. And uh, the honor and privilege I've had of, of studying deeply here with you and just watching the Lord work as we make our way through Jesus on every page in Scripture, every jot and tittle is what we're looking at today. Look in verse 16, if you will. We're talking today about the summons to surrender. This wraps up our message last week from this chapter. Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority. Now the words all authority mean literally everything. All authority, everything has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is the great commission it should be titled the great go mission. Every single one of us that are followers of Jesus Christ should be and are called to be on mission, intentionally on mission. Michael Mansour was a U.S. Navy SEAL. He was killed during the war in Iraq. In 2008, President Bush posthumously awarded him the Medal of Honor for his act of heroism. Delta Platoon was sent to Iraq in April of 2006 and assigned to train Iraqi army soldiers in the terrible place called Ramadi. Over the next five months, Mansour and his platoon frequently engaged in combat with the insurgent forces. On September the 29th, 2006, an insurgent threw a grenade into the rooftop where Mansour and several other SEAL and Iraqi soldiers were positioned. Mansour quickly covered the live grenade with his body absorbing the resulting explosion and saving his comrades from certain injury or death. Mansour died 30 minutes later from catastrophic wounds caused, of course, by the grenade explosion. Mansour selflessly and willingly covered a live grenade with his body to save his fellow soldiers. Mansour covered sure death for an entire platoon by giving his life for theirs. A 28-year-old lieutenant who served with Mansour said this, he never took his eye off the grenade. His only movement was down toward it. He undoubtedly saved mine and other SEALs' lives. As Christian Schoenberg of the Chicago Tribune summarized in tribute, the men who were there that day say they could see the options flicker across Michael Mansour's face. Save himself or save the men he had long considered brothers. He chose them. And friends, today, God the Father chose for Jesus to die in your place and in my place. And we better never get over that fact. Involvement says, I'll do what I can. Commitment says, I surrender all. So the question for me and you today, Labor Day, the question for you and I to consider, 
And I pray that the Holy Spirit drives this deep in my, into my heart and yours. And if you're watching today, are you involved or are you committed? In the closing verse uh, of, of Matthew's gospel that we just read, in the post-resurrection, we're reminded of Jesus' authority, his assignment, and his assurance. He said, I will be with you. I want to ask all of us uh, if we really believe this. Now, I, I know we say we do, but do we really believe that when the Bible says, I will be with you wherever you go, do we really believe that? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's nowhere you can go that he's not with you. You can't say, Jesus, why don't you stay right here and I'll be right back. If we could, how horrible would that be? As a reminder from last week, we touched on four other things. The greatest supernatural occurrence in history on the greatest day in history, Jesus' resurrection. The shocking announcement, some of the greatest and not the greatest words ever spoken. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Then the stunning sight. He appeared to the women, if you'll remember that. Then there was the shady deception. And today, the summons to surrender. I want to give you a shocking fact here that some of you may be aware of. There are over 120 million unsaved people in these United States of America. That makes the U.S. the third largest mission, mission field in the world behind only China and India. Who sends the most Christian missionaries to what country? We're second. South Korea sends more missionaries to America than we send to anywhere in the world. Why? Because a few years ago, South Korea had revival. When revival comes, we will go. And until revival comes, we still should go. Now, let's finally lean into this summons that Jesus has for us to surrender. I surrender all. I've told you time and time again, for years and years and years, been doing this a long time, for years and years and years, standing down front during invitations is a very con convicting time for any minister, any pastor, anyone. For years and years and years, we would sing the great invitational hymn, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I fully give. And then looking out at people when singing those words and they're singing them in the direction that I'm facing, I surrender all. Those are dangerous words to sing. Do we really? I surrender all but. And I have been eaten alive standing down front many times at invitations. I surrender all. Or just as I am. You and I have been called to surrender everything. So what is the message? As we wrap this up, what is the message in the resurrection? The greatest day in history. The message is, of course, he is risen. Then I want you to look at verses 5 and 6 in Matthew 28 with me for just a few minutes. Go back to that. The answer is found here. The greatest message. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. I love a word there that we'll talk about a little bit more later, come. Have you come unto Jesus? 
Have you come to him? He's inviting you all day, every day to come to him. So many of us, myself included, we try our best to stiff arm him away. A, a pastor by the name uh, Sam Alberry said this, Our hope is as certain as Jesus' grave is empty. I've just been writing that down over and over and over and over. So what is the summons that we're called to surrender to? There are four words in our focus passage that perfectly sum up the gospel message of Matthew. The four words are called imperatives. Did y'all pay attention in this part of English? These are imperatives. They are commands. They're not options. I want you to write down in pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, eyeliner, the first one, come. Come. By way of background, Jesus was dead. He'd been betrayed by Judas, forsaken by the disciples, denied by Peter, tried by the Sanhedrin, condemned by Pontius Pilate, crucified at Calvary, and buried in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. On Easter Sunday morning, women came to the tomb to anoint his body, but they would not be able to get in. But when they arrived, they were in for a surprise of their lives. You know the story. A great earthquake had taken place. The angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and rolled back the stone. When the women arrived, they were told, I love this, the first thing they were told, do not be afraid. And you and I need to know when Jesus or his messenger shows up, the first thing they're gonna, he's going to say to us is do not be afraid. Come, do not be afraid. The angel knew they were seeking Jesus. The angel told the women to come. This was an invitation often given in Scripture. Ever since the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned against a righteous and holy God, God has had his arms open wide saying, come. He gave the promise of the Messiah who would have victory over Satan. He used the ark built by Noah as a picture of coming to him for protection and salvation. And may I parenthetically add here, it had never rained up to that point. And can you imagine for years and years and years those people making fun of Noah building an ark in the middle of the desert because he said it was going to flood. Can you imagine the first drop of rain hitting on the heads of those people making fun of Noah? And I want to submit to you, there's coming a day for all those that have said no to Jesus, re rejected Jesus, rejected your message. There's coming a day when Jesus will part the eastern sky and it'll be oh no for a lot of people. He invited the children of Israel to come out of Egypt. Later he invited them to come into the promised land. This wonderful imperative, come. He gives great invitations in Scripture. We just have to look at two or three real quickly. Turn to, uh, keep your finger there in Matthew, and turn to Isaiah 55 with me, if you will. Look at this beautiful, beautiful invitation. You're very familiar with it. The first verse, first three verses in Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, what's the next word? Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and what? Come to me. 
here and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. When we come, he will make an everlasting covenant with us that his mercies are new every morning. Somebody in the room needs to hear that today. Revelation twenty two seventeen and the spirit and bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, turn there with me, you know this one very well. There's somebody that needs to offload your sack of rocks today. Look at verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, come to me, love this, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Anybody weary today and you need rest, you need soul rest. Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and low, lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh dear friend today, have you labored under a load of guilt? Do you have a burden today? Come to Jesus. Are you struggling with a sin that just has you snared? Come to Jesus. Are you just burdened for a family member that is estranged from the Lord and estranged from your family? Come and take it to Jesus. Are you worried or are you concerned about retirement or about a health issue? Come unto Jesus. Are you concerned about a, a marital relationship or a relationship that has been torn? Come to Jesus. Whatever it is, quit running and turn and come to him. Have you been burdened with the awfulness of your sin? Come to Jesus. Jesus says, come, come unto me. I can't say this enough. We come to him who has left the tomb. He is not there. He is risen from the dead. He is worthy and waiting for you and I to come to him. We come to him who is living right now inside of all of us who are born again through the Holy Spirit. We come to him who is offering forgiveness and salvation to all who believe. If you've never said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come to Jesus. We come to him who offers peace and power to all who have believed on him. If we ask for a show of hands today, how many of you have tried to find peace and or power in anything else but Jesus and it was a miserable failure many of us could raise our hands but God come secondly see the imperative see now let's differentiate between the words look and see when I look at something I may not grasp what I'm looking at wives can I get an amen to that by the way it's right there in front of you in the refrigerator, Rob. I don't, I'm speaking for a friend. I mean, it's right there. When I look at something, I may not grasp what I'm looking at. I may not comprehend or understand what a ketchup bottle looks like, but it's right there. But when I truly see something, when I truly see something, are y'all with me? I grasp, I comprehend, 
I understand it. I believe the angel of the Lord wanted the women to see or grasp or understand and comprehend that the tomb was empty and that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. This is going to sound a little strange. I believe when those women either went in or peeked in that tomb and they saw that that tomb was empty, they breathed rarefied air of risen again Jesus. Some of us have been there to the place that they believe is, the traditional place. But let me just tell you this. I believe those women never breathed the same way again. And her heart never beat any differently because they knew Jesus was alive. And when you and I give our hearts to Jesus Christ, we breathe differently. Do we not? We speak differently. We see differently. We think differently. We move differently. And that is so very critical. I believe God wants us to see that Jesus is risen from the dead and he is alive forever. And seeing that, God wants to place our faith and trust in our Savior. How many times have I, and even this past week, I've just leaned into my own understanding. And it's a black hole. Come, see, go. The women were told to go. Jesus did not intend for anyone to stare continually into the empty tomb. Are you with me? After we come to the point of seeing the empty tomb and trusting Jesus as Savior, we are to go. We're to learn more about him. We're to go to him in prayer. We're to go with Jesus or follow Jesus Christ, allowing him to live through us. We're to be faithful, as Dr. Whitmire said earlier, with gathering together. We're to go to a lost and dying world. There's a, a young evangelist that's now with the North American Mission Board, and everywhere he goes, hundreds of students are being saved. Whether it's Fall Creek Falls, everywhere he's speaking, I'd give anything to have him here. His name is Shane Pruitt. He said this, when the gospel changes your identity, it will also change your activity. That's pretty good, isn't it? When the gospel changes your identity, it will also change your activity. Come, see, go, tell. The women were told to tell the disciples of the resurrection. Someone has said that, that being a follower of Jesus is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And Mark 5, for example, there was once a demon-possessed man, and he was healed. You remember the story. He wanted to travel with Jesus. Instead, he was told to do what? Go home and tell the great things that the Lord has done for him. It is our job to tell others what great things the Lord has done for us. I'm going to push the pause button for a minute. I just want you to think for yourself, nobody else. I just want you to think of some great things God has done for you. Even in the past few days. What are some great things that God has done for you? Have you thanked him for it? Have you thanked him for them? What are some great big things you're asking God to do? Is he capable? Sure he is. It's my prayer for you and me this morning that you and I will experience God's love for us through Jesus like we never have before.
And because our identity has been changed, our activity will be changed. The world will never know Jesus Christ unless we move off of our blessed assurance and go. But you must come to him in faith. Surrender your all to him. Jenny grew up in a cherry orchard near Traverse City, Michigan. Her parents were a little old-fashioned, and they tended to overreact to her nose ring, her music, and the way she dressed. One night in an argument with her dad, she screamed, I hate you. I never want to see you again. And that night she ran away and she jumped on a bus to Detroit. The second day in Detroit, she met a man with the biggest car she had ever seen. He offered her a ride, bought her lunch, and gave her a place to stay. He even gave her some pills that made her feel better than she had ever felt before. The good life continued for a year. The man she now called boss sold her to other men. She lived in a penthouse and ordered room service whenever she wanted. But after a year, she became ill and her, her, her boss became abusive. Soon she was out on the streets without a penny to her name. One freezing night on the street, homeless and hungry, Jenny was overwhelmed with a longing to go back home to the cherry orchards, the warm house, and her golden retriever. Sobbing, she called home three times only to get an answering machine. The third time she said, Mom, Dad, it's me. I want to come home. I'm catching a bus, and I'll get there about midnight tomorrow night at the bus station. If you're not there, I guess I'll stay on the bus to Canada. On the seven-hour bus trip home, Jenny began to have doubts. What will they say? What will they think? Will they even show up? Will they even be there at the bus station? When the bus finally rolled into the station, the bus driver announced, 15 minutes, folks. That's all the time we have here, 15 minutes. 15 minutes to decide her life. She nervously checked how she looked in the little compact mirror. As she walked to the terminal, nothing could have prepared her for what she saw. 40 people standing there at midnight, Uncles and aunts and cousins and brothers and sisters and moms and dads and grandparents, all of them with silly party hats and blowing silly noisemakers and holding banners and a big banner that stretched across the entire terminal that said, Welcome home. As her eyes filled with tears, her dad came out from the crowd and grabbed her and she said, Dad, oh, Dad, I am so sorry. Or her dad said, Shh, shh. You're going to be late for a party. We planned a banquet for you at home. You see, this is a picture, folks, of the unconditional love that God has for me and you. When you come home to the Father and say, Father, you made me, but I have sinned and I've been disconnected from you. I am sorry, I want to come home. You know what he does? He throws a party for you and he says, welcome home. It's just like what happened to the prodigal son in Scripture. If you don't get anything else I say today, please get this next word. You were made by God and for God. You and I were made by God and for God. It is a miserable, miserable, miserable life. To live for self. 
And until you and I understand that we were made by God and for God, life will never make much sense. And you will try your best to live by comparison. And comparison leads to bitterness and envy. You and I were not put on this earth just to go to school, get a job, make a bunch of money. And no, uh, let me just push the pause button there. There are some of you, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, you do need to go to school, you do need to get a job, and you do need to make some money, okay? But we're not just put on this earth just to make a bunch of money, spend it, retire, and die. No. You and I were made for an eternal relationship with God, one that goes long, long, long past this life. The resurrection and the Great Commission give us the power to start over. Jesus gives us the power to keep going. He gives us the power to change, to be different. The greatest day in history is really about personal, intimate, internal change in me and you. His summons to surrender, to come, see, go, and tell. Now, I want to pull the pen and hand this to you today. God is preparing you for the thing he's prepared for you. I'm just going to leave it there. God is preparing you for the thing he has prepared for you. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the next hours that he gives you? What are you going to do? May we make much of him. Come, see, go, tell. Father, today, I pray that the seed of your word takes root in every heart, beginning with my own. And may we be fully, fully, fully committed to you. And Father, I pray for any person within the sound of my voice watching online, in the lobby, overflow, wherever you are in this room, the balcony, the choir loft, the floor. And I I just want to ask you, if you're watching online, please don't click off yet. This is the most important part of the day. Come to Jesus right now. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you that opportunity. That's why we're gathered here. That's why the choir and orchestra and others have worked so hard. That's why the soloists have prepared and practiced. So that they could present to you that Jesus loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. I beg you for your own soul and for the glory of God and your destiny. If you did not leave this room today without knowing for sure that Jesus rules and reigns in your heart. And in just a moment... If you would like to trust Jesus as your Savior, you need to be the first one down to the aisle, down the aisle here, down to the altar. Come to Jesus. I'll be here. Some of our ministers will be here. Our men will be here. Come. If you'd like a little more of the social distance issue, certainly understand that. You can go out in the lobby, and there'll be someone to greet you there. And if you, again, no matter where you are in the building, don't let distance keep you. You might be on the front row. Come to Jesus today. You're here today and you do have a heavy burden. And you do know that you want to come to the Lord. You just need somebody to pray with you. 
come today. Maybe you want to come by yourself or with someone to the altar. As a matter of fact, get up even now and come. You're in the middle of a pew. I promise you people would be glad to move for you. Even now, come. We'll wait. Anyone, come even now. You're here today, and you're looking for a church home. You're an imperfect follower of Jesus like the rest of us in this room and beyond. Would you come today? Labor Day weekend, there's no hurry. Come today. Bring your family, bring yourself, whoever, whoever's here. Don't just be an attender, be a family member. Come today. If you believe the Lord is tugging at your heart for a specific ministry or mission or vocation, and you just want somebody to pray with you, come. If you need to set up your baptism, come. Whatever your decision, come. Father, I pray in these moments, you move in every heart, in every life. And you would give folks courage to step out, to come to you. We love you. This time is yours. We will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to sing. Who will be the first to come today? Oh, the blood.